What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts from the side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, Mr. Tad Desai. And Tad, coming right to you here in week nine. We're right about that midpoint of the season. We just Do we ever NFL figure trade. out the math on that? Sorry to interrupt you, but wait, 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 ever, wait like exactly. Said, is, uh, is it eight and a half? It's it's about eight and a half because right we're going okay. to seventeen now. So before it was after week eight that was officially the halfway point, but now it's like, you know, as of recording the Thursday night game is going on, we're so it's like slightly I think you need to. I think it's like once Sunday hits and the morning games go, then it's like after that I think is like the midway point that you can sort of do the math that way. Sorry, week nine I should say specifically. So yeah, we're close. We're close, okay. but we're pretty also, much at the halfway. Also, I will say this on another topic. Kansas City, Miami being in Germany is just flat out un-American. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting. It is interesting. But it's one of the better international games that we've seen in quite some time as far as the matchup is concerned. So we'll see how the actual game plays out. But yeah, first time that the NFL is playing a game in Frankfurt, Germany. Should be exciting stuff there if you want to wake up for it. It's 6.30 a.m. <sighs> Eastern time. So, I oh. mean, yeah. Have fun. No, sorry. I think it's 6.30 a.m. Pacific time. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong on that one, but just very early in the morning. I think that's just the very yeah. thing yeah. I need to state there if you want to watch Kansas City play Miami in Frankfurt. Otherwise, you can catch the replay later, maybe. I, mean, I don't, I don't know. know. That's why Red Zone's great, because Red Zone's just like, here's what happened. And I'm like, awesome. There you go. Yeah, you could do something like that, too. Just watch out Red Zone. But yeah, Tad, we're getting here into week nine. We got four teams on a bye week as we get into our start sit episodes. We got the San Francisco 49ers on a bye week. We got the Detroit Lions, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Denver Broncos. All high flying offenses. Week. Lots of good offenses. You got some sneaky good defenses too with Detroit, yep. San Francisco. Um, Jacksonville's been playing pretty good le- lately as well. So, yeah, lots of key players are going to be out this week. So, make sure you're setting your rosters accordingly. And, of course, like I just uh, talked about earlier, we are going to get into our week nine starts and sits for you. Um, interesting picks this week. That's all I'm going to say this week. So, <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be interesting. We're Let's a lot of discussions all pan out. Let's see all these all pan out. So, I'm going to start the interesting topic at the okay. quarterback position here, Tad. I'm going with your guy. I'm going with Gardner Minshew, quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts against the Carolina Panthers. Now, okay. say what you want. Minshew has sort of been up and down this entire season as the new starter with Anthony Richardson being out for the rest of the season, obviously. He's two weeks removed from a 27.1 fantasy performance against a very vaunted Cleveland Browns defense. But then he follows it up with a bit of a dud last week, going only 14.82 fantasy points. So it's like, which one are we going to see in a given week? It's very inconsistent here. But the thing that sort of makes me optimistic about Minshew this week is that Sorry, buddy, but the Colts tend to fall behind a lot of the time. And so I mean, they why, definitely... why are you sorry? That's just true. <laughs> well, it's just like, just, you know, no, I know no, you that's, understand you're, that. You're being polite. You're being polite. And I appreciate it. Let's just say it as it is. The Colts suck. So we <laughs> fall behind in every single me. game. No, of course. I'm not an idiot. Like, it's just I just watched my TCU Horned Frogs lose in the fourth oh. quarter. Like, it's just my this has been a miserable, miserable football season for me. So I think because the Colts are going to fall behind, they're definitely going to have to air it out quite a bit because look, Tad, over the last five weeks of the NFL season, 
Gardner Minshew is top 10 in passing attempts. He's exactly coming in right at number 10. Um, and then you also look at the fact that this matchup against the Carolina Panthers presents a very good one for Gardner Minshew because prior to the bye week, Detroit allowed Detroit, uh, sorry, not Detroit. Uh, actually, yeah, Detroit. Detroit and Miami to score 42 points consecutively in back-to-back weeks. I know they both have high-powered offenses, but you look at what Colts could do. They have some weapons on their offense that they could sort of score in that sort of range as well. Um, You also have to look at the fact that in both of those games, they allowed three passing touchdowns as well. So when Minshew had his great game two weeks ago, he was also running the ball. So I don't expect um, him to sort of run it as much as he did last time, um, where he scored two rushing touchdowns as well as two passing touchdowns. He also limited his turnovers. But I think in this game, I think he could hit that three-point mark as well to get three passing touchdowns, which will automatically make him in that 20-point fringe fantasy point category, which to me seems like a good start this week. All right, well, <clears throat> you threw stats at me, so I'm going to throw stats right back at you, buddy. Go for it. Go for it. The Panthers are this weird dichotomy. How about that for a word? Yeah. Where did uh, you before? Yeah, yeah, I still don't know how to spell it. <laughs> D- Do you know how to spell most words? D- I'm, I'm, that's another <laughs> issue. D-I-C-H-T-O-M-O-Y? I think it's a D-I-H, a D-I-C-H-O-T-O-M-Y. God damn it. I think, but I'm not 100% either. Damn it. You're giving me six great flashbacks when I misspelled roller coaster. But anyway. Roller coaster. I was in the sixth wow. grade. You back off. Still, you back that's the sixth grade, man. Sixth grade. Come on. I think on. I put the A before the O, and that's what screwed me. You're like 10, 11 at that point. It's like, come it's, on. Ah, uh, man. Anyways, is moving on from my traumatic childhood mem- uh, memories is um, depending on the school that you go to, you're in junior high at that point too. So I, it's like, okay, let's <laughs> let's relax here. It was it was a high pressure situation. It was just it's I can't perform in the clutch, and you know who else can't perform in the clutch? It's okay. Gardner Minshew. <laughs> and I, I, let me throw this at you because the, the Carolina Panthers is, uh, defense is this weird dichotomy because Frank Reich is known as this like offensive genius. But in a weird way, the teams is, is almost completely flipped where the defensive side of the ball is a stronger side of the ball True. for the Panthers where the offense is slowly finding their way. But this defense is what's kind of keeping them in these close games whenever they have close games. And it's, it's, you know, one of those, first off the, I don't know who he is, but the Caroline Panthers defensive coordinator deserves a lot of credit because oh, I love this guy, Jero Everall. I love this guy. Who is he? <laughs> Former defensive coordinator with the Denver Broncos. And like we talked mm. about, or I brought it up on the podcast many times before. It's like, he was not the reason Denver sucked last year. He was actually the reason that Denver actually competed was in it. last was year. In it. Everybody, <laughs> exactly. And again, with the weird dichotomies, is Denver completely flipped where it's like now their offense is actually kind of solid and their defense is just terrible. So, yeah, no, you're right. And I think exactly like what you said, it's great hire because Carolina has only allowed two quarterbacks to score over 15 points this season. Those two quarterbacks, Jared Goff and Tua. Tua, should I try it? <laughs> you can. Spell that one. Oh, God, no. No, that one I can't do. Should we yeah, try it? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think you. Tua Tungavailoa? Oh, I think I actually nailed that one. You got that one. You got that wow. one. Wow. I'm settling. All right. T-A-G-U-I-L. What? 
you you were good with the tag, but after you got well, past yeah, that, that, yeah, there's that no was, you yeah, in it. No. I mean, there's I no got straight to first. I try to go for second, and oof, man. Yeah. But anyway, Tua, uh, you know, it's it's two of the highest. Well, I won't say highest, but among two of the highest performing fantasy quarterbacks so far this year. Everybody else they've kept they've kept under less than 19 points, and I think a big part of that is kind of what you were saying is like, oh, he can finally take advantage of all these passing attempts. I actually see the opposite of you, where all these passing attempts, in my opinion, opens up more risk for mistakes to be made rather than rewards to be had. So I look, is it, it, Gardner Minshew is not a terrible streaming option. If you're like truly desperate, but in terms of like, oh, you know, maybe this guy will be an interesting plug and play here. Um, I, I think stay away. That's fair. And you bring up a lot of good points. And for me, this is not like a slam dunk for sure. He's fair. going to absolutely fair. go off. It's just like I feel pretty optimistic that he can have a good game, especially when we have a, a week where we have four teams on a bye. You also have to remember Kirk Cousins out for the season. So you have to find a replacement for him. I don't trust Jaron Hall. Obviously, you look at Arizona. They don't have Josh Dobbs don't anymore. So it's like I don't trust Jaren Clayton Toon. So it's like based on the rest of your options out there, it's like he's probably one of the ones that's like as like you said, is streaming option for this week i don't mind it i don't mind it so i'm leaning towards more that he'll have a better game but yeah he could very much you know like i said he's very up and down so he can have a down weekend it's just like yeah this is just what he is fair enough and i have like a tier system in my head especially when it comes to quarterbacks of like where to you know pick them up where to you know just leave them alone on the waivers and you know the tier system is basically tier one tier two okay not a bad streaming option and then absolutely not I, I have a stronger word for that, but we keep getting censored by YouTube, so I'm going to try to keep the language under control. Um, fuck no is the tier that I call it. But anyway, is he's just above the F no tier where like he's in that, okay, not bad streamer, but those top two tiers, he's not quite there quite yet. But no, no I'm, I'm hoping you're right. I'm wrong because that would mean good news for me finally, and God knows I need it. <laughs> Well, hold on, buddy. I'm not saying the Colts are going to win. I'm just saying Gardner-Mitchell is going to play on. well. That's all I'm saying. Come on. That's You're going to pick my guy and then still say, well, no, they're still going to lose. Well, I don't think for sure they're going to lose, but just like I'm just saying that Gardner-Mitchell is going to have a good week, but that doesn't necessarily mean it'll yeah. translate to a Colts win. So we'll we'll see how that all plays out. But all right. So I got you with the start here at the quarterback position here. Tad, why don't you give me a sit at the quarterback position here? So I said start this man last week. And goddamn, was I right? Because he had a game last week. Had a weekend. great game. I loved this start last week. He's now my sit. Interesting. Interesting. God the tables it. have turned. Yeah, well, yeah, now the tables have turned and the Dallas Snipers are back. Okay. <laughs> I have they, need, though? Because I, I think I, Dallas I, Snipers are, you know, I don't know how they feel about Dak Prescott. Oh, I know such a bad joke. I can say right now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I kind of want – no, I'm not going to. But they're not the most accurate people. But uh, I I, the, I literally feel the red dot in the back of my head right here because what I'm saying like – I look, I told you to trust this guy, and we talked about this in uh, yesterday's episode or two days ago, whenever released by the time of this release, is um, Dak Prescott, that was the time to take advantage of it. Right. And so I kept him on my bench as long as I could. And then I got rid of him as soon as the schedule gets tough and it's going to get tough. And that includes a game game of the week, as I figured out while watching the TCU game, uh, game of the week against 
the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I understand why there's so much hype going into this. And something very interesting happened while I was doing research for this episode where ESPN will give you the opponent rank. And I was like, mm-hmm. really? Because the Eagles were not only in the green, which means that's a weak opponent, yeah. but they were 30th against fantasy quarterbacks this year. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, that seems weird. But then I looked, and here's the weird thing, is the only three quarterbacks the Eagles have allowed to go for over 20 points is Sam Howell, twice, Matt Jones, and Kirk Cousins. Now, okay, I'll give them Kirk Cousins, because that was all the way back in week two or three, where, Mm -hmm. you know, that... Vikings offense was still fi- firing on all the cylinders and they just like couldn't really, it was just poor clock management. It was like watching the, the chargers just up North. Um, so, it, but uh, come on, Sam Howell, like really, again, twice. And then Mac Jones of all people are going to let Mac Jones put up 28 against you. So the Eagles are in this weird kind of contradictory world where they do really well against good to great quarterbacks because you look at what they held Matt Stafford to, which was 16 points. They held Baker Mayfield to nine points. And then the biggest one of all, they held Tua to nine points. I'm too scared to try it again, but they held Tua (laughs) and the Miami Dolphins passing offense, just nine points through the air when they face them. So they do this weird thing where when they play good quarterbacks, they're really good. But when they play bad quarterbacks, they're really, really bad. So I think that, you know, it's one of those things where I, I, I think that Dallas has this weird thing where they struggle against good quarterbacks and those are their close game. And cause I know what you're, what our viewers and listeners are thinking, well, you're giving out defensive stats for a quarterback. What are you doing here? But that's the whole thing is like when this defense performs well, Dak performs well. When they don't, Dak tends to struggle because, like you said with Gardner Minshew, but almost the opposite, when he has to pass it a lot, he tends to make some mistakes. So I think that you know the Eagles are going to perform fairly well against Dak, and I don't think he's going to perform as well as people think given his hot streak. I'm not saying he's going to have an all-time terrible week like he did just two games ago, by the way, where he had a grand total of four points against your San Francisco 49ers. I'm not saying it's going to be that bad, but if he finished sub 15 points, I wouldn't be all that surprised. So I think Dak is kind of that like kind of uh, bear trap quarterback. That's really tempting that a lot of people are going to fall for. Cause as you pointed out, there are a lot of good quarterbacks on the bye week A lot of people are going to look at that with uh, man- management numbers going down where they're going to pick him up and be like, oh, this is a great start because look at the, you know, look at that green 30. But that green 30 is only because they really only had three bad games. And granted, those bad games have been really bad by the Eagles. But I think that in a divisional matchup where they're going to be really fired up, I'm not seeing it. So it's interesting that you're liking the divisional matchup to favor the Eagles defense. I actually think of it the other way where it's like both of the matchups that they had last year both defenses looked all right at times. So I talk about both defenses, sure. both the Eagles defense and the Cowboys defense. And so heading into this game, I don't know what to expect from the Eagles defense. So exactly like you said, it's like they've looked bad at times, but they've also never looked quite elite either. Like what you would expect. We talked about this on the podcast already a few times already. Just like, yeah, they're seven and one, but I'm still not. It's a not very convincing seven and one. That's it's like, a vulnerable yeah. seven and one. Exactly. It's like because I have a very good friend of the show here, Victor Campa. Shout out to him. He's a diehard Eagles fan, and we talk about this all the time. Where it's just like 
he he even said it before. He was just like, I don't understand how they keep getting away with it because he clearly is seeing that's like they played like absolute you know garbage, yet they still able to play like come away with the victory, and that's because I think the offense is able to make up for it. So I think in this game, I could very much see the Eagles defense showing up, and Dak Prescott will have a terrible game. I could also see them playing very middling, and then it'll trade scores. It'll be very you know going back and forth between Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott. Or I can see the Eagles absolutely not showing up at all, and Dak Prescott has back-to-back solid games. So honestly, because of that wild card or Dak Prescott, that's why I would sit him. Because it's like, I don't know what I'm going to expect in this right. game. Yeah. And so that is why, with that question mark, I'm going to sit him this week. Because, yeah, I just don't know what to expect. But obviously, if you have no other options, he, he could obviously go off for you too because like i said it's just such a wild card factor of just whether he's going to perform or whether he's not and whether that eagles defense is going to show up or whether they're going to play like they've kind of had been all season long no i i'm not saying like i for sure think he's going to tank this week but i i completely agree with you where it's just those those scales are balanced very closely Mm -hmm. i'm just kind of giving the slight edge to the philadelphia side of those scales so it's just yeah i think it's one of those things where it's it's a risk for sure it's one that could pay off but i think there are just much better streaming options out there than you know you that are a much safer bet to go for and uh i mean look i know we only touched on two quarterbacks but if you need advice we got two more days to go so hit us up right there damn it how do you always get it right like damn i always hit the back end of it but as here we go as it's coming through right now those are the social media handles okay this is why you're the host shut it but uh no there's something else but i'm gonna let it go okay but anyway is i think that you can hit us up on all social media handles for advice on okay fine you don't like Dak prescott who do i go for we'd be more than happy to answer that question 100%. 100%. Please hit us up. We're here to help you with all your waiver wire decisions, start set decisions, and of course, trade advice as well. But Tad, you're not high on Dak Prescott, but let's get to the running back position because you have a start for us this week. Who's a running back that you'd like to start here in week nine? This might be my riskiest pick of the week. All right. But I like all him right. because all again, right. I'd like, what's the one word I like when it comes to receivers? Volume and targets. Okay. So volume and targets. What's the one word that translates into when we, Switch that conversation to running backs. Touches or rushing attempts. Rushing attempts. I don't really care about touches. Touches are inconsistent at best, depending on the offense. This guy, look, I'm not going to call him a disappointment, but I think he let a lot of people down last week because they started him thinking like, all right, this is his time to go out. But I think people were kind of doing wishful thinking there. And that's Daryl Henderson Jr. Back in mm. L.A., he's finally healthy again. He is coming off a 13-point performance two weeks ago. He came into the game against the Dallas Cowboys, scored almost exactly 10 flat, depending on your um, you know, league format. I think a lot of people were upset with him because they started him as like a running back two, and those are not running back two numbers. But that's also not fair because I let's talk about this. You know, the the one thing that maybe maybe will keep Dallas into this game against the Eagles. That defense has been really rough against the run all season long. So I I don't I think a lot of the blame is falling on Henderson's shoulders, and people are just kind of ignoring that was a tough matchup. So I I think you look at the matchup that he's he has going forward. It's pretty good. The Packers, so the 
Los Angeles Rams are playing the Green Bay Packers. The Packers have allowed get this summer. Actually, you know what? Should we do okay? Over under three games where the Packers have allowed 19 or more point or 19 or fewer points to running backs so far this season. 19 or fewer. Three or more games, 19 or fewer. Yes. So over under three and a half. Is that what you're saying then? Sure. Let's add the half. <laughs> Just making sure. Um, I'm going to say over. Two games. Okay. Two games. Right. They've only allowed two games so far this season where they've allowed opposing running backs. Now, to be fair to them, this is running backs overall with their opponents, not just one guy, but only sure. twice, only twice have they held opposing running back committees to less than 19 points. That's a bad, bad run defense. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. And so I think that Daryl Henderson, who, by the way, has gotten 14 or more carries the last two games since he's gotten back from injuries. I think that just pure volume, that pure, those pure rushing attempts, he is going to make, you know, some point, uh, you know, production happen. And so I, I I like him. I don't like him as like a running back too. I think that's a little bit too risky. But if you're kind of struggling, if you're like me, where I'm starting uh, Mike Evans, who's by the way, if you had given me this option, would have been a, a sip. Well, actually, I think I am seeing a receiver. I almost picked him as a sit option because Mike Evans against the Houston Texans is really worrying me. Had yeah. you given me that option of like, okay, I can sit a running back. It's it's one of those things where it's just like, okay. I kind of understand where you're coming from, but I think that if you're struggling for a flex option, he is more than worthy uh, risk to take. Yeah, I think um, Daryl Henderson is just comfortable in this offense. Like, I mean, there's a reason why Sean McVay signed this guy after the injury to Kyrie Williams. He also ejected Cam Akers from this franchise. (laughs) That reason too, as well. Um, But I think just the big thing is just that he has comfort that he could trust him, not only just to run the ball and use him in the offense, but also to use him as a pass blocker. Like, I mean, there's a lot of plays where they showed where just like, he's just more effective as a pass blocker compared to a Royce Freeman or some of the other running backs on the back uh, on, on the field uh, on their roster, I should say specifically um, to see the field more. So it's like, I think he's just going to get more opportunities. Kind of like you were alluding to where it's just like, like all that volume, all those uh, rushing attempts will then come because he's going to see the field more. And so, yeah, Green Bay is just last couple of weeks after the bye week, we thought they would actually get better. They've gotten worse, like on offense, on defense, everywhere. I mean, just, yeah, Don't I'm even not give me, sure. Do not even. Do. Well, actually, I shouldn't mention this because you're about to bring him up. But the guy you're about to bring up, I hate him. <laughs> okay uh but just yeah so it's just like i don't know what to expect from this green bay defense like i'm sort of expecting him to do bad again so it's just like yeah i like daryl henderson to start in his place but yeah on the flip side i'm gonna go with the sit here at the running back position and i'm gonna go with brian robinson jr the running back with the Washington also, also hate him not the guy that i thought you were gonna bring up but also hate him okay <laughs> uh but just yeah i'm not a huge fan of him they're playing the new england patriots this week so this is a sit because, I mean, just like we talked about in a recent episode where we talked about the NFL trade deadline and fantasy implications, and we went to our buy low, sell high, and we talked about Washington sort of, you know, waving the white flag and sort of surrendering and just like, you know, we're packing it in. And so they trade away two of their star defensive ends. They trade away Chase Young and Montez Sweat. So it's just like, 
I don't know what to expect from this defense now. Like, I expect them to sort of be on the field a little bit more. They're not going to be able to get as effective of a pass rush. Uh, their secondary is all right. But just overall, this defense got weaker. And that's just going to put more pressure on the offense. So it's like maybe the offense can do good at times. But just sustaining over the course of an entire game, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. So, I mean... As dangerous as they can be, I just don't like them to be dangerous consistently. So I think this defense is going to get fatigued. Like I said, put more pressure on the offense. And if they had to put more pressure on the offense, I think New England will be able to score enough, and then they're going to have to go away from the rush, and they're going to have to pass it more. So Sam Howell may have a good game, but I think because they're going to go away from the run, Brian Robinson Jr. is not going to get enough attempts in this game to sort of warrant being a fantasy starter this week. And you have to look at the fact, this is a crazy fact here, Tad, over the last five weeks of action, do you think he has over or under 10 and a half rushing attempts? I'm turning my own weapon against me. How dare you? Of course, I had to do it. All right, so repeat over 10 and a half? Over the last five weeks of action, he is averaging, do you think, over or under 10 and a half rushing attempts? I'm going to guess eight and a half. You're close. It was 9.6. So that oh, was under. you're correct okay. on that part. But yeah, it was 9.6 rushing attempts per game in the last five weeks. So you're probably getting barely 10 carries a game. That's not going to make you effective in any fantasy league, no matter how good your offense is and how bad your opposing defense is. You're just not getting involved in the game. So because of that, he's also, Dad, only gone over 50 rushing yards once this entire season. So I just... I just don't think he's going to be effective. He's just not looking to be a very useful part of this offense, especially against the Patriots. We're pretty good on defense, but just overall, like I said, with the downgrades on the defensive side for Washington, more pressure on the offense. They're going to have to air it out a lot more to stay in this game. Sit Brian Robinson Jr. It's not the perfect comparison, but it reminds me a lot of what's going on in Indianapolis right now where people are like, what's wrong with Jonathan Taylor? Well, nothing's yeah. wrong with him. It's just the fact that the Colts are smartly easing him back into the game plan. The whole problem is this game plan's run attack completely collapses by the second half because as you pointed out, they're usually down. So they're like, all right, we got to throw for like 30, 40 times in the second half and they just yep. don't utilize him. It's nothing against him or his ability to kind of like, you know, uh, transition back into this offense it's just the way the game situation kind of forces your hand there and i think that's why he's only averaging what would you say nine nine three nine point six over 9.6 okay so nine point six uh, uh carries per game is i think that's part of it is just they they find themselves in these wild shootouts where it's like they just can't afford to run the ball and so i think that that is a major hamstring on his fantasy value I like him as like a potential streaming flex option moving forward, but in terms of moving him off, he's a valuable bench option. Don't get me wrong. Like if you all of a sudden, if you, I don't know what idiot this would happen to, but all of a sudden you have two running backs that go down. You desperately need a bench option. Uh, Instead of trading one of the best fantasy running backs and then he's okay. I will never forgive you for that. I do not. You I not. did. I told you. I was like, you need to be patient, and you shouldn't trade Christian McCaffrey. You told me life. after the, I traded him. No, I told you way before because you were asking me about the trade. I was like, you should not make the trade, but you were like, I have to do it. I'm too impatient. I'm too impractical. And I'm going to timestamp that because I, 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 if memory serves, that was like six hours after I made that trade. But anyway, I don't think so. Point, but... point being is if that happens to you, Brian Robinson is a great option to just kind of mm-hmm. plug in there while you figure out the rest of your situation because that's the trap I fell for. I had no backup. So hence why I had to trade Chris McCaffrey in case you couldn't infer what's going on there. Um, 
so yeah, I think he's fine to keep on your bench, but if you're thinking of him as a streaming option, far, far too risky. Yeah, agreed there. I agreed there. All right, let's move on to the wide receivers here, Tad. Do you got to start or sit for me here at the wide receiver position? Well, I got a little confused, but apparently I got to start. So <laughs> I will say this. I have nothing against this man personally. However, as someone with Chris Olave on my team, I hate him. <laughs> okay. Michael Thomas, well, you know, it kind of depends on your, I feel like it depends on your expectations of him going into the season because it was funny is I feel like you and I have kind of shared our frustrations with him fantasy wise. Sure. And And as I was doing my research, ESPN had a video up there of like, can Michael Thomas keep exceeding expectations? I was like, really? But I also forgot that ESPN basically said he was useless as a fantasy player going into the season. And he's not, I mean, he's not blowing anyone away. No, but let me, let me explain the situation going on with Michael Thomas right now. And this is insane. He's only had one game this entire season when healthy that he's had less than seven targets, one game. Yeah. And guess what? That one game he had six. Yeah, of course. So he was very, very close to reaching that goal. So his floor is extremely stable. Honest to God, maybe the most stable floor of not just any receiver, but any fantasy player I've seen so far this year. Like, you know what you're going to get. Worst case, worst case scenario, he's put up seven or eight, which means he is very touchdown dependent. Now, that's a big gamble to take because he's only scored one touchdown so far this season. However, do you know who the Saints are playing this weekend? Um, I don't. I don't remember that one. The uh, Bears. <laughs> All right. Interesting. So I think that gamble of and, and not again, not a wide receiver two position. I think that's that's a little too risky. But I think him as a flex option, gambling that he's going to get at least one against the Chicago Bears. I feel like that's a pretty safe option, given the fact that he is sucking. Hence why I don't like him. He is sucking just enough targets away from Chris Olave. Where I think, honest to God, I think both of them are going to be pretty reliable fantasy starters this week. Yeah, I think the thing with Michael Thomas is that this year, at least, we'll see what happens in future years. But a lot of people were labeling as useless. A lot of people were projecting him to break out as long as he's healthy. But what's happening is it's, it's exactly in the middle where it's like he's not doing terrible, but he's also not blowing it up. So it's like, like you said, you get the consistency where it's like he's getting over like at least seven targets per game with the exception of the one where he got six. Right. And then he sort of translating that into about four or five, maybe six receptions for about 50 to 60 yards, maybe 70 yards or whatever. But then about. he's only scored once. But it's like you could depend on that production then. So it's like if you know that he can get this much every single game, like that's a reliable point figure that you can rely on for your fancy roster. So it's like, do I need this this many points this week or do I want to go with a more high risk, high reward sort of situation that you can plug that guy in as opposed to getting the consistent numbers with Michael Thomas. So it's like, yeah, it's great. And I think against Chicago Bears, he should be able to meet those numbers again. But yeah, if he, if he can find the Enzo, that's what obviously puts him over the top. So yeah, if you put him in the flex option, I think it's a great spot for him this week, for sure. Yeah. No, it's it's almost like chess where you're like kind of just playing a little bit riskier move. That's not going to cost you a piece. Sure. But if you're going to do that, you better make sure all your other pieces are set up pretty well. Meaning if you're confident in the rest of your roster and there's just that one weak spot, even if it is wide receiver two, this is a pretty worthy gamble in my opinion. Yeah, I like this one. I like this one for sure. Um. I got an interesting sip for you here, Tad. Um, okay. So I got a wide receiver one, 
maybe a wide receiver too, based on how the season is going, but he was probably drafted as a wide receiver one for your roster. Okay. But I think you need to sit him this week. And that is DK Metcalf. The Seattle oh, are playing oh, the Baltimore Ravens geez, this week. So shocking against him. I mean, this is, this is quite <laughs> the revelation. You've been singing his praises all season. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, the Ravens are currently, currently allowing 16.1 fancy points to opposing wide receivers in the NFL right now. That is ranked second fewest in the NFL. So they are absolutely Ooh. shutting down opposing wide receivers in the NFL right now. Um, Metcalf had 14 targets in the game last week against the Cleveland Browns. He only caught five of them. So, I mean, that's sort of saying that it's just like this defense is being able to shut them down. So it's like, even though Geno Smith is looking his way consistently and he's getting him a lot of targets, he's only been able to catch five of them. So I mean, just like, it's not translating. I see you running some numbers there. You sort of like trying to figure out how many he missed incomplete. It did not catch it that game then. That's less than 50%. Yeah, 100% less than 50%. I even carry the one. Uh, but yeah, you also have to look at Baltimore. It's like, like I said, they're limiting the fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, but they're also allowing the second fewest passing yards in the league. Sorry, six fewest passing yards in the league, second fewest passing touchdowns in the league. So this guy is not, the Ravens are not allowing a lot of passing touchdowns to be scored on them. And there's also limiting the yards as well. But just looking at this defense and looking at the matchup between Seattle and Baltimore, I think it's going to be very close. I think Baltimore will be able to limit the passing attack. Um, Seattle may have to lead on the ground attack with Kenneth Walker, the third and obviously Zach Charbonnet. But when they do have to pass, well, I like uh, DK Metcalf to be shut down. Tyler Lockett may be the guy that could find some openings here, could find some uh, holes in the defense there. Jackson Smith, the Jigma could be a sneaky good pick as well. But I think Baltimore is going to put their priorities to shutting down DK Metcalf. And so if you have other options, I'd advise sitting him this week. This is going to really age me here. But there's <laughs> there's a – I'm not on TikTok. I swear to God I'm not. But as I somehow stumbled across this one TikTok. It'll make sense in a bit. Okay. Where right. it's right. it's this great little skit, and I'll probably send it to you, Mer, once we're off air. But – um. It's it's the the running joke is this guy is just like ah ah got it and that is the fantasy equivalent of DK Metcalf because like you said he gets all these targets and that's part of the big reason why I traded for him weeks ago in the season because I saw that target number so I was like ah and then after two weeks of him I was like ah yeah because he just can't I'm not blaming it on him. But it's it's just that this offense seems stale, I guess is yeah. the right word. It just seems there's nothing innovative about this offense. Yeah. It seems a very, you know, I, given their coach, not very surprising, but it just seems like a very early to mid-2000s offense. And it's clearly working for them a little bit. Um, but at the same time, fantasy-wise, it's not really producing any winners outside Kenneth Walker, maybe? Yeah. He's probably the most dependable option in that offense for sure. So, I, yeah, I think that, you know, this is the rare case where I, I will say despite the target numbers, I, I'm my, my trust in DK Metcalf just dissolves more and more by the day, and that's a reason why I traded him after only about two weeks because it just became very, very clear. And then I knew with his injury history, I'm like, this is going to happen. And he, yes, I know there's no injury designation as of this time of recording next to his name, but – you know, it's just, it's, it, he, he was suffering from an injury a couple of weeks ago. Who knows if that's still lingering and who knows if you can trust him for the next half season, nearly half season. I don't know. Half season. I think it's more accurate. Yeah, for fair. Sure. 
<laughs> All right, Ted. So let's get to the tight end position here. And I'm actually going to kick this one off because I have the start position here. Uh, and this is a guy that you talked about that you should add off the waiver wire in our episode two weeks ago. And that's Dalton Kincaid of the Buffalo Bills. They're playing the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday Night Football. Um, we already brought it up, but Dawson Docks is out with a wrist injury. He's out indefinitely. So in that meantime, Kincaid is looking to become a bigger part of that Buffalo offense. In the last two weeks, Ted, Kincaid has totaled 15 targets, 13 receptions, 140 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. So, I mean, clearly they're looking his way, and he's producing when they're looking his way. It's not like DK Metcalf where it's like he's getting 15 targets and he's not catching any of the balls sort of thing. So, it's like he's looking pretty good. Also, you got to look at the fact that they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals. These leagues' worst defense when it comes to covering the tight ends, especially opposing fantasy tight ends, they're allowing nearly 10 fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. They're at 9.9. So they're right under the cusp there of 10 points per game. Uh, they just recently allowed George Kittle in the game against the, the San Francisco 49ers over the last weekend to rack up 149 receiving yards off of nine receptions, which equaled 23.9 fantasy points in PPR leagues. Maybe slightly adjusted there, but clearly over 20 fantasy points so i think in this game it's going to be going back and forth i love cincinnati's offense but their defense i think won't be able to keep up with buffalo's offense same thing with buffalo's defense not being able to keep up with cincinnati's offense so i think they're going to be trading scores quite a bit and dalton kincaid will definitely get in on the fireworks that we're going to be expecting on sunday night football so dalton kincaid good start this week stop giving him publicity <laughs> I know. Quit it. I know. I know. I am so mad. I said I went on this almost exact rant. What was it last week? Two weeks ago. Two weeks where ago. Where I am so upset because I absolutely saw this coming. I 100% saw this coming. The only difference is I saw this coming next year. Yeah. Yeah. And then just because Dawson Knox had to break his goddamn wrist. By the way, hope he recovers well. Prayer, <laughs> see you, buddy. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. We both knew this was going to happen because what was our agreed upon draft analysis with Dalton Kincaid? This man is not a tight end. No. He is not a pure tight end. He is a receiver that is bigger than everyone, yep. basically just as fast, a little slightly slower. And if he goes to the right team, they're going to know how to utilize him. And God damn, is he still their OC? Is Ken Sable still their OC? Ken Dorsey, not Ken, Ken Dorsey. Who's Ken Sable? I think I mixed up Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey. But well, I think you're also going to say Ken Stabler, who's a former quarterback. That's what you I was know, RIP. That's, that's well, I mean, okay. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Jim <laughs> He's also another former quarterback, though, so that's fair. <laughs> Point B. Damn, that's a throwback. I'm impressed I remember that. <laughs> Go Oakland. But anyway. Point being is, I think that uh, Ken Stabler over there has a real good idea of what – that was great. Shut up. <laughs> is Has a good idea of what he has in uh, Kincaid. I almost said Knox again. But what he has in Kincaid and just yeah. the way they utilized him two weeks ago, yeah. it was brilliant. Just create medium uh, space for him about 10, 15 yards down the field, and he will make that catch because he is athletic enough to, A, create that space, and B, to make the tough catches. He is looking so good. This kid is a future superstar. I love this pick. I, he's going to go so high next year in fantasy drafts. God damn it. <laughs> it's very likely. It's very likely. He's so good. His per, no, and he is. No, he is. I, I totally agree with your pick here. It's a great, great matchup. It's... He's going to get like at least 12 points. 
All right. All right. We'll see if that pans out that way. So I obviously gave a start the tight end position here, Tad. I'm sure you got a sit for us this week. So who you're sitting this week here in week nine at the tight end position? So ironically, this is a guy that I always intended to sit, but I, I had to pick up because I'm, I'm a big believer in him, just not this week. Um, and this is speaking of a guy who's like, he's going to go for at least 12 points. It's David Njoku, who finally, finally, it only took about, well, roughly halfway through the season for this to happen. But I feel like he finally has breakout game last week against the Seattle Seahawks. Maybe it was just like by pure, uh, you know, just the pure necessity is that he was, he finally was the focus of this offense. He got more targets than Amari Cooper did uh, yeah. in last week's game. And so he ended up putting up about um, 16 points, just a little under, but roughly 16 points. Now I feel like this is what people originally drafted him for. Here's a concerning thing. Nearly half the leagues in on ESPN's fantasy, uh, you know, system, are starting him this week. That is a risky, risky start. And I understand why, though, because he just blew up. Mm -hmm. Finally, we have a quarterback that's thrown to him. And they're playing who? The Arizona Cardinals. But here's the shocking thing when I looked into it. The Arizona Cardinals, while a weak defense, I'll give you that, are weirdly, surprisingly strong against the tight ends. Amar, do you know what they're ranked against the tight ends? Uh, Top five? Top three. Top three. Wow. They're number okay. two. Wow. Last right. time I'll say this. Last time I'll say this, I kind of spoiled it. But over under two and a half tight end groups, because again, this is the these statistics are by group, not by individual, but tight end groups, they've allowed to score more than 10 points. Probably going to lean towards the under. One. One. Wow. It was last week with Mark Andrews. Ah, up yeah. until up until last week, they did not allow a single tight end group to score above 10 points. That is crazy good. Now, maybe it's because, you know, once teams start blowing them out, they don't really need to pen on the tight end as much. Those reasons can be discussed for another episode. But for now, I am not trusting any tight end going against Arizona. I don't care if it's freaking Travis. Well, yeah, if it's Travis Kelsey, I'll probably go for it. But <laughs> he's got I mean, he's got the Swifties behind him. I'm not. Yes, Travis Kelsey's the best. Um, please don't kill our podcast, but I think any other tight end, cause even Mark Andrews, yes, he went above 10, but he only scored 13, which Mark Andrews is fine, but not yeah. great. It's not bad. It's not bad. So the fact that we're able to even limit him a bit is very telling to me, like something's going on with this defense where they just know how to deal with the tight ends. And so I think that a lot of people are going to start, uh, David Njoku off a hot start thinking that it's the the start of a hot streak, I think that's a massive mistake. I think hold on to him, kind of like what I'm doing. I'm holding on to him, but he is riding my bench all the way through the weekend. I am not starting him whatsoever. Even if my current tight end, Dallas Goddard, for whatever reason, goes down with some freak injury, I'm finding someone else on the waiver wire. So, Amir, who can I find on the waiver wire? I already gave my tight end pick. I said Dalton Kikay. <laughs> okay, but he's not on my waiver wire. <laughs> Because, God damn it, this is such a dry tight end market. But point being is I think that it's one of those things where I, it's just, I, I know it's a trustworthy name that you recognize. I know it's a guy that you're very excited, like me, that is on the waiver wire. He's only uh, managed in about, I don't know, 50 to 60% of leagues, depending on which site you're using. He's a, worth the pickup, but he's not worth the start this week. 
I think he's that perfect storm, like you said, where it's like he had a really good last week, and then they're playing a weak opponent in Arizona. So it's like you don't think about the fact that it's like maybe they're weak overall, but they can limit some positions. So exactly like it laid out, where it's like for some reason Arizona is good at stopping the t- opposing tight end. So yeah, it's a, it's sort of that matchup where it's like you think it's going to be a good one, but it's like the perfect word that you put out earlier when you're talking about Dak Prescott is that bear trap sort of situation where it's like this is going to look good on paper, but then all of a sudden you start him and he's going to put up an absolute dud for you. So yeah, right. David and Joko as a sit this week, I think as a smart move. I'm gonna answer my own question. You ready for this? A little bit, a little bonus answer. Sure. Where it is both, you know, a good ad and a good drop with both tight ends is Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett is his management numbers have actually gone down by roughly about three percent, but the Los Angeles Chargers are going against the New York Jets. The New York Jets currently ranked as the uh let me see the 27th ranked defense there you go gerald everett's a good sneaky pickup if you don't want to start david and joku which you shouldn't start this week so all right now let's get to the kickers and the defenses here in week nine give me your both your picks here both starts both sits whatever they are all right so at uh kicker i actually like sitting this guy it's daniel carlson now here's the surprising thing daniel carlson is only managed in about half of espn leagues but of that half 44 percent are currently starting him which is crazy to me for reasons i'm about to get into so i think that's that's gotta be name recognition going into that right well, yeah, because he finished as the number one fantasy kicker, if not last year, I think it was definitely two years ago. So, I mean, it's like I think it's purely because of the name recognition. That's like, oh, yeah, this guy finished as the best kicker ones. I think I need to hang on to him. I just did not realize his name recognition was this good because this is a crazy stat for you is that he has not scored double digits since four weeks ago. And he's only that one time he did it was the first and only time he's done it all season. Oh, I get Daniel Carlson is like a recognized name, but I did not think he he's not Adam Vinatieri. Like if Vinatieri oh. was having that season a decade ago, I'd be like, okay, I get it. Like Vinatieri, it's Vinatieri. He's gonna, but it's Daniel Carlson. Yeah. I don't know what the hell is going on there. So it's it's a weird idea to me that yes, only half the ESPN leagues currently have him on the roster, but the fact that almost all of them are starting him is very concerning to me. I'm telling you. Do not start this guy, especially because, uh, you know, the Giants have held the last five kickers they face under 10 points. Last five in a row. And speaking of that, when you say bench a kicker, you usually start the other defense. So I'm saying I think the Giants are a very, very good start here. Wow, have, that's a shocker. I'm that's going with it. The Giants defense. I'm going okay. with it. Okay. They put up double digits in both of their last two games. And look, I think that... The, Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right, Emer, because we mentioned this on our last episode where, you know, Antonio Pierce looks like he's trying to be this Dan Campbell type or, you know, this kind of fire up coach. And that does scare me a little bit because that's working more effectively than I thought. But um, (laughs) I think that it's one of those things of we just don't know. And right now I'm gambling on the other side of it where this team is just so beat down at this point. Maybe it'll work next year. Because if you remember that Dan Campbell project in Detroit didn't start off too hot. True. Very true. So I think that might be the case where if Antonio Pierce gets hired as a full-time man, maybe gets his own like you know program underway throughout the offseason, great. But for now, I think this team is so beaten down that no one's really buying it. Devontae Adams is pissed. Uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has to be pissed at this point. But it doesn't even matter about Jimmy Garoppolo's feelings because they're starting to ain't O'Connell. 
Yep. So mm-hmm. you're facing a very hot New York Giants defense against a not struggling because he actually did pretty solid in his rookie debut. Well, not debut, but starting debut. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the Giants just have this very will have this very good game plan against a rookie quarterback and a struggling offense. I'm not saying they're going to put up double digits again. But if you're struggling for a uh, you know streaming defense, I think the Giants is actually a very underrated bet here. That's an absolute like deep sleeper, I'd probably say for this week. Not but bad. hey, they have a good matchup, like you said, with all the you know craziness that's happening in Las Vegas with them firing practically you know all their key positions on the coaching staff, going with the rookie quarterback. It's just like you don't know what you can expect from this team. Like like you said, where it's like. Maybe they'll be injected with some passion and they're hearing a new voice and they're going to play that, hard. That's the X Antonio factor that's scary me because there's no but way to measure also, that. But you can also see it the other way where it's just like, yeah, that's all great, but they still just don't have the talent to actually pull out any sort of victory. So we'll see what happens. It can really go either way. But just, yeah, if it hits, it's like, you know, Giants are very much like I brought up earlier. It's like they're very high risk, high reward. So it's like mm-hmm. if they hit, they will absolutely hit for you. But if they throw up a dud for you, then, yeah, you're going to be like, why did I start the Giants defense again? <laughs> so we'll like see said, how it all no, plays out. Double, double digits last two weeks. No, that's fair. That's fair. You got the good numbers to back it up. So I'm going to go with the sit at the defensive position here, Tad. Sit the Buffalo defense. I kind of brought this up when I was talking about Dalton Kincaid, but it's just like, no, I think the Buffalo defense going against Cincinnati, I think this game is going to go back and forth. They're going to trade a lot of scores. And it's because of three words, Tad. Healthy Joe Burrow. Like, I mean, uh-huh. he absolutely looked like his old self when he totally ran roughshod through my Niners last week. Like, he looked like classic Joe Burrow in that game, and I think he's going to continue that against this game of the Buffalo. You obviously look at the fact that Cincinnati is coming off a bye week, only two weeks are removed, so they're very fresh. They're very ready to go. I think they want to sort of rebound from the slow start to the season that they had. So, yeah, the Bills defense is unfortunately going to be at the wrong side of that. So, I'm not saying Cincinnati is for sure going to win this game, but I like that both def- uh, both offenses are going to trade scores enough that it's like both defenses should be sat. So both the Bills defense and Cincinnati defense, if you have either of those, look for alternative op- options this week. So, yeah, I expect this being a very high-scoring game between both those teams on Sunday Night Football. Very excited by this game. No, I'm not going to lie because when I was searching for a quarterback to sit, I was like, okay, let's look at the rankings. And I kind of saw Joe Burrow against the tough Bills defense. I'm like, I like that. I like that. I was like, I think that's like good, you know, hot take for a sit. And then, so I clicked on Joe Burrow's sets. I'm like, okay, he's been hot, but like, let's see what the Bills defense has done. For the first time all season, the Bills defense have allowed 20 or more points to two offenses or two quarterbacks back to back. So I think the, the massive injuries in the secondary have really, really affected the Bills defense. I'm not saying they're bad, but they're just not quite that elite defense they used to be and so no like i said i went very quickly from like oh ben joe burrow to no that's actually a pretty solid start so no (laughs) i think that joe burrow is good for at least at least 18 points oh 100 100 and then we're going to the kicker position i got to start for you hitad i got kaimi fairbear the kicker for the houston texans they're playing the tampa bay buccaneers this week um even with the bye week Fair Baron is top 10 in the NFL in field goals attempted. Uh, the Buccaneers present a tough defense, but the Texans, I think, should be able to move the ball down the field. I don't think they're going to score a lot, but I think it's going to present a lot of fantasy opportunities, uh, field goal opportunities, I should say, for Kyby Fairbairn, which will lead to a good fantasy day for him. So, yeah, if you need to pick up a kicker in the short-term week here as a streaming option, Kyby Fairbairn against the Buccaneers defense, I like him to score a good amount of points there. So, all right, Tad, those are our week nine picks as far as starts and sits at every position. 
Um, we said it earlier in the podcast, but I mean, guys, if you have other questions when it comes to <laughs> starts and possible. sits, when it comes to waiver wire additions, when it comes to trades, like, I mean, interact with us on our social media handles. You see it come across the board right there at the bottom. Hit us up on Twitter. You got me at underside23. You got Ted at TedSide94. You got the show handle at the Decide Guys. And of course, on Instagram at the Decide Guys as well. So please talk to us, send us questions, comment on our posts, whatever you need to do. We will help you make decisions that you're struggling with, with, you know, whether to start this guy over this guy, whether to add this guy off the waivers, whether you should be making this two for one trade, whether you should be um, accumulating picks as opposed to sending picks, you know, sort of thing. So it'd be just like, let us know. We are here to help you. We play in so many different leagues, so many different types of leagues, too. So we can give you advice on any of them for sure. So make sure you do that. Make sure you subscribe when we to your podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can listen right on the LAP Network website as well. Hit that subscribe button. Always be up to date with our podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so we're up to date with our YouTube videos as well. And please support our parent network at LAFB Network. They're giving you a lot of great content when it comes to the LA football teams, both at the professional level and the college level. They got you covered with the Trojans and the Bruins at the college level and the Rams and the Chargers at the professional level. So lots of great content. Make sure you're supporting them because without them, there would be no us for sure. And guys, to everybody who's already interacting with us, who's listening to the podcast, watching videos, asking us tons of questions on social media, we really can't thank you enough. And I mean, like Amir says, we are always out there to help you. And here's the best part about why we can help you is we have very opposing views when it comes to fantasy football. I am much more pull the trigger guy, like Amir said earlier. He is much more of like, you know, hold the ship, like hold on, just relax. And I mean, it's... Both scenarios can be right, and I think you know sometimes we throw a lot of numbers at you guys, but that just shows that we know what we're talking about. We've done our research. We do so the research. We do the research. We, trust me, we do the research. So, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll toss all the stats at you. We'll ultimately leave it up to you. But it's it's that's the whole thing is we will help you kind of see both sides of the spectrum and that will help you make a more educated decision and that's why we love fantasy football so much because there's so much you know discussion to have i mean we've been talking for an hour almost at this point so let us help you we're so so close to that final stretch of the season it's gonna be here before you know it so as always everyone thank you so much for listening oh you know what i forgot some of what was that i forgot to place my betting picks this week when are we gonna do that well, I mean, if you caught us last weekend, we gave our underdog picks on courtesy of our great brand new partners at Underdog Fantasy. So, I mean, guys, if you want to get in on the action to play some uh, sports bets, some fantasy picks, you know, when it comes to all the sports that are considered NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB. Oh, fortunately, MLB's done. We have new ah. champions for the first time ever in MLB history. The Texas Rangers are now World Series champions. But God, those kids still- were so annoying today. <laughs> You still bet on all those other sports. You got college football, of course, obviously. So, I mean, if you want to get on the action, use our promo code DECIDE. That's D-E-S-A-I on the underdog platform. They will double up your initial deposit of at least $10 or more up to $500. So, I mean, you can double up 10. If you put in $500, you will get $500 matched into your account. So, that's $1,000. For free? That $500 completely free dollars, and all you have to do is use our promo code DECIDE, D-E-S-A-I. So, yeah, make sure you do that. But we will give our picks our favorite underdog bets this weekend. So, yeah, make sure you tune into that because, yeah, I think we did all right in our last weekend's picks, but I think we're pretty confident with this week. So, yeah, make sure you're tuning into that. We'll do good. We'll do good. So, as (laughs) always, everyone, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening to all our loyal, loyal listeners. And please 
Stay safe, everyone.